<clears throat> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our podcast where we discuss the movies we watch and hope you watch more of them. I'm Veronica, and today we are accompanied by a very special guest, Andrea. Hello, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm just okay. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? Like, are you busy? Yeah, things have been picking up a lot because,、um, thankfully, during the pandemic, like as a lot of other business slows, like people have been turning a lot more to content content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of projects coming in, but yeah, I'm trying to still run on less sleep, like I did in college. And the answer is no, I cannot. Wow. How are going you going back to the college days? Um, I'm good.、Yeah. I'm good.、Um, oh, been busy with the podcast too. So there's a lot of like juggling around different kinds of things. So, but yeah, like this is one of the moments where I can just like kind of chill a little bit because like because it's like a free flow conversation compared to like a lot of other stuff that I have to do for work. Right.、So、yeah. So today's episode, we will be talking about the 2019 black and white psychological horror movie, The Lighthouse. What's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man, starting new, on the run. So it's directed and produced by Robert Eggers, and co-screenplay with his brother Max Eggers. The story follows two lighthouse keepers who were stranded in a far-off island during a storm, and how both of them started to lose their sanity as we get to know more about these estranged lighthouse keepers. So, what do you think of the movie, Andrea? Honestly, this movie—I watched it with my boyfriend at the beginning of quarantine, and I was like, "What?" Because I heard so much good press about it. You gotta watch it if you're like a film lover. This is the movie to watch that came out in 2019, and when I Mm-hmm. Wanted to watch it. My, I actually didn't have a TV in my room, and I'm that kind of、mm. lady who's like, "Oh, I gotta watch the movie properly." So we spend maybe like more time trying to set up a working TV <laughs> than actually watching it. Yeah, <laughs> I believe what we did was we hooked up my laptop to the HDMI、mm-hmm. of like a really. The TV had like a plasma leak or something, so the image was all just. Whoa! I, I, I think it was worth it. If you can't watch it in films, why not just watch it in the safety of your bedroom? When you, if you can't watch it, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> What did you think about it? Like it, it was definitely something very different from a lot of the movies I watch. But like, I mean, I'm very confused by it. It's a very confusing movie for me. I was like. What is happening in this moment and that moment? It took it took me quite a while to like really soak it in, because、mm-hmm. I mean I like the whole cinematography of it. I think that's one of like the best points of the movie, and、mm-hmm. also like I think there is a lot to the story that can be unpacked. But it's just like because it's so weird. Ah, oh, the dialogue is amazing. I like the entire like sailor. Crazy dialogue that they're talking about—it's like funny. Should pale death with treble dread make the ocean caves our bed? God who hears the surges roll, deign to save the suppliant soul. William Defoe's monologue towards the end of the movie—I was like, oh my goodness! Like how、yeah. you know to really get that into this like. Old timey sailor character. How deep does your mind have to go, dude? 
as an actor. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, Willem Dafoe's character is very... Because, like, he would go off, like, all the lines, like, very eloquently. And it's, like, he's talking in this old-time sailor, I don't know, language? It's, like, 1800s language, I think. Which yeah, is like very he, 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 interesting. He made, and he references a lot of Greek mythology. I mean, the whole movie also references yeah. Greek mythology. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like it draws on a lot of um, mythology, not just like Greek mythology, mm-hmm. but also Lovecraftian mythology, right? Which makes oh, it a for very sure, for sure because it doesn't necessarily one to one reference a certain thing, but really like an amalgamation yeah. of a lot of these genres. So it's quite interesting. I know we were going to discuss Eyes Wide Shut. And we ended up pivoting to mm-hmm. uh, the lighthouse because eyes, you know, like you go on YouTube, tons of people are trying to dissect that movie, right? It's been yeah. around for forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like lighthouse is gonna yeah. be one of those movies that film students, when we're old and gray, are gonna be talking about still, you know, and trying to figure out mm. what the heck is going on with this movie. There's gonna be that one dude, the one like the hipster equivalent, in, like 2030 or 2050, who's like, oh dude, I found this old movie called The Lighthouse. <laughs> Have you like watched it yet? Oh, you gotta watch it. It's like a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be definitely. It's gonna be definitely the talk of like film hipsters everywhere. Who's like, oh, you haven't like understand film if you don't watch like The Lighthouse. And that's definitely that's gonna be the conversation. Like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> you know, and then he walks backwards, dude. Uh, full disclosure: I haven't watched it. <laughs> Because uh, theaters closed right around the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was like, oh, man, I'm not watching the full IMAX experience. I didn't tag along with him. So, looks like I'm going to wait for the Mangdu version. (laughs) I know, right? Me too, me too. I'm just going to have to, like, settle for all this crazy, like, recordings. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's shaky. The dude sneezes halfway through. Do you were you around? Yeah, I know, I know. Indonesia during the height of the piracy. Um, I think now it's a little better, obviously with Netflix and all the other OTT services. Yeah. But you are being young and trying to watch this movie, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, this is a pretty good quality recording." And then some guy stands up in the middle of the recording. Yeah, yeah, like, I know, I know. <laughs> there's a shadow. There's a shadow that comes up, and then I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Okay, going back to the movie, since you talked a bit about, before this, you talked a bit about the cinematography of it. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of, like, how it is, like, basically recorded and everything from being black and white to being 1.5, 1.9 ratio? It's a very interesting yeah, so thing. Yeah, so full disclosure for the podcast, I did a little bit of homework before coming on. Because Y'all, look at that. Person. Actually, I was uh, watching a little YouTube video on spherical versus anamorphic lenses, and just so happens the light mm. shot with the spherical lens, which mm-hmm, I won't get mm-hmm. into it, but just means um, apparently, I mean, in the YouTube video, they're saying that these spherical lenses tend to have a higher clarity in the image that they take, which is interesting because the light mm-hmm. palace is sort of almost the opposite of that in the sense that it takes you back to the way films were beforehand. But I do think the way mm-hmm. the cinematographer, I can't remember his name, uses the framing is definitely to instill a sense of claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I felt like worked uh, really well, I mean, with the, whole, with the whole message of the film. It's interesting because mm-hmm. you know, The Lighthouse, yes, you call it Art House, but it's distributed by A24, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the 
art house film darling and in a way has moved more into the mainstream uh yeah not like we're talking about i don't know um, a clock of orange which i feel like most people haven't watched you know because it's so mm. out there even though it's like kubrick but with a24 it's, it's become more mainstream to enjoy movies like hereditary the witch eggers other films yeah the lighthouse yeah it's, it's interesting to see um more um how to say uh i know this is when like after living in indonesia English starts to deteriorate. More intentional choices <laughs> of framing new, like, quote unquote, air quotes, blockbuster films. I feel like not necessarily ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. The last movie that I watched framed this way was Sunset Boulevard, which was shot at that time. Mm, mm, I mm. by Billy Wilder, who did The Apartment, which are two very different movies: Sunset Boulevard and Billy Wilder. But uh, Sunset Boulevard and The Apartment. Um, but it is, it's interesting. I definitely think he captured um, the, I think he captured the, emo- like the emotion that the cinematography serviced was definitely there. Like the, like I felt it viscerally, like being trapped in a lighthouse with these two crazy men. One of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. turns out shares the same name. Like they shared the same name with you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. It, it's just really interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, like, speaking of that cinematography of it, um, like, I noticed, like, because they shot in the lens that they did, Mm -hmm. and it's quite an old, like, setting, so the light, they had to put a lot of light into it, so you can Mm -hmm. see a lot of, like, the light from the windows to, like, the end scene, I mean, obviously, like, that is, like, the major climax of it all, but and i i looked up a couple of interviews and they were even saying that like the crew members were blinded by the light ah, most of the time I even, yeah when you're shooting black and white you only have uh values to play with to communicate yeah exactly um when you study art values are really the first thing that they teach you to differentiate like to to because if you use color sometimes we don't the human eye is more trained to recognize differences in value right versus Mm-hmm. Or just like another layer on top of it but to differentiate on a most primal instinct what stands out what doesn't you you go into black and white that's how you register like light and shadow right and it's yeah, really interesting yeah. to think like uh, a crew choosing very specifically to limit themselves in this way versus being limited by the technology I think it's great mm-hmm. to see like what the workarounds they had to do to get around it because yeah. the shadows yeah. are quite like harsh i mean at some point i feel like they only i mean the dinner scene they only shot it looked like with like candlelight right i'm not sure actually what the lighting mm-hmm. setup was that was like on that mm-hmm. maybe you know better um but yeah quite interesting. the movie the movie the, yeah yeah the yeah possible. it's very it's very like almost film noir but not really super cool yeah exactly and like i think it's really helpful to see the grime and like the texture as you say values of it because like they they are quite filthy yeah. in the entire movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think he's super handsome, but if he wiped his face against me, like I would reject him, dude. Like with the amount of grime, I know his face. My gosh, just imagine how your white linen sheets would look like afterwards. <laughs> I know, I know. And then, like, cause I can't, I can't imagine the way that they're filming everything. Cause obviously, like, they have to like use the actual things. They have to make themselves dirty for that. So, like, have. Having to see it in black and white gives a texture of it, but like 
at the same time, it doesn't, it feels like you're desensitized by it as well. Like, because you don't see the color, you don't see a lot of, like, the real thing. Mm-hmm. It it kind of breaks apart from, like, what you usually sense from, like, the whole nastiness, the grime and everything to, like, oh, you're watching a black and white film. I think from my perspective, it kind of, like, separates me away from, like, the craziness and madness of it all. From because that they were shot in that way, but I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. So you think that because he chose to sh- shoot in black and white, that in a way made it seem apparent you're watching a film versus being immersed. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. feel like definitely when you look at stylistic movies like The Lighthouse with the um, 1.91 aspect ratio to 1.91 to one aspect ratio and the black and white. Mm-hmm. At first, you think like, whoa, like this is a visual statement. But I feel like as mm. I got deeper into the movie, it did what all good movies did and made me, it kind of made me feel like I wasn't aware of the staging, you know? If you thought mm. about movies um, in in theater, in theater. There's in theater. theater. <laughs> I am a woman of culture. And yeah. type of, um, there's this playwright called Brecht, Berthold Brecht, and he was known mm. for making a parent uh, the fact that audiences were watching a play, you know, he kept the light. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You could see the yeah, theater. yeah. And so it kind of had the effect of distancing you away from mm. from the characters that you were watching. Kind of like, I wouldn't say it's a one to one, but kind of like the dis um mm, the distance you feel when you read a Murakami novel, you know. Mm. But more yeah. Is, hella dreamy but the lighthouse still manages i feel like to i mean more comedy really dreamy but the lighthouse as you say has a lot of yeah. grit to it so i, I think it's interesting yeah, yeah. but like uh the the, the stylistic choices of black and white kind of um distance you away from the movie instead of pulling you in did you feel like at yeah the end of it, like did you feel did you forget about the framing at any point in the movie yeah i think i definitely did um because like it felt like oh the world is like that small for some mm-hmm. reason and then i felt like um and then uh, like at first i was very aware of it i was very aware of like the frame and how it is but because they obviously they shot it normally like that it made me feel like oh that's normal mm-hmm. and then like i'm already sucked into that small bit of framing that they did yeah. so it's like yeah, and, like, I don't know, they do reference it a lot that it gives, like, an um, the feeling of claustrophobia, which is interesting because at first, that's what I felt. Yeah. Like, it felt small and felt tiny and everything. But then, like, after a while, after I journeyed along mm. with them, I think also because they're doing mundane routines in the beginning yeah. of the film and into the sec- second arc, yeah. it's mostly, like, I'm sucked into it. Like, oh, or like we're doing chores. Like, we're okay. We're going along. And it's like, it, it didn't really matter at, at that point. And I was like, okay. So it's like, it's a bit of both. Like, it felt like I'm watching a movie, but then I'm also like, oh, this is normal. You know, like, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what everything is supposed to look like. I don't know if that's intentional necessarily, but yeah. What do you think? It's definitely really interesting because, um, when I feel like we grew up in a period of filmmaking which has excelled in like uh, trying to replicate reality obviously when you see Doctor Strange open a portal like that's not yeah. ever happen in real life but yeah in terms yeah. of like going towards that hyper real CGI like the whole goal is filmmaking nowadays is to replicate reality as though it can happen especially with the advent mm-hmm. of like 3D mm-hmm. viewing and, and all of that right 
But the lighthouse very, very clearly is like, like, oh, no, you can't, you can't, like, we're not trying to imitate real life. And at the same time, us as the viewers can just almost forget about that choice. We just accept it as being um, real life. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, it's so Yeah, that's very interesting. But but we're able to look past it, past the initial shock and really feel connected. Yeah. Even though if you've worked in films, I, I know a couple of people after entertainment, they're like, oh, I can't watch films because I feel like a stupid, like a filmmaker. Mm. I have to dissect it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Personally, I didn't feel that way like for Lighthouse where I was like, oh, like, how did they do that? Where was the lighting there? And I just was really intrigued with the slow descent into madness of these. Well, <laughs> one person already, I would argue, already yeah. mad. Already snapped quite a long time ago. <laughs> then the other person just coming to terms with the madness inside of him. Or are they exactly? Oh, and is it a time loop? <laughs> you know, when they were like, "Oh, Thomas and Thomas," I was like, "Dude, they're the same people, man. This is hell." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, they just stuck always with each other, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because like it, it felt like that's the direction they were going. Because like they were both very different people in the beginning of the movie. So I was like, okay, obviously, like the a frame at that point a frame wanted didn't drink and then thomas did and then he was very experienced in sailor and he liked to talk about stories and then a frame didn't so they're very different characters but then as you slowly go to the second arc of the movie you can totally see like how they can both be very similar at the same time and uh, going back to the idea of like oh you get acquainted with the madness it 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 dawned on me that like at first it was very hard for me to recognize what Thomas was saying, mm-hmm. the old Thomas was saying, right. because he was talking sailor talk the entire time. <laughs> but then like at the end of it, I felt like, oh, it makes sense. Like at first I was like, it was so weird. Like there was this moment of like, oh, I understand what he's saying. Like it, it's like normal to me. It's like as if like that's the language that we've been speaking all along or something and that we're like already acquainted with it. So it's funny how like films like this could like make you just adapt mm-hmm. like as if that you are ama- already in that world without you realizing it because they didn't really like introduce you to the language or the art of everything they didn't like slowly made you to like oh understand bits of it because that's a lot of what movies do and what films do they try to like for like kind of mold the audience bit by bit but here you're just like bam it's like oh thomas said like an eloquent speech the entire first arc (laughs) in two sentences and you're like (laughs) hark triton hark hello Bid our father, the Sea King, rise from the depths full, foul in his fury. Black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with punch and slime. To choke ye, engorging your organs till ye turn blue and bloated with builds and brine and can scream no more. Only when he... Yeah, yeah. I'm like, mm. <laughs> it looks like the young one didn't understand, so why should I? <laughs> it's so crazy when you think about it, right? Because uh, the other movie that I recently wa- rewatched was Phantom Thread, which is a period piece, and they made the choice mm. on film, for example, right? Like, period movies specifically, if they're done very well, 
it's just insane to think that, for example, Robert Pattinson walked off set, checked his iPhone, and then probably had to go and do pre-prod for Batman. Dude, like, that's just, <laughs> like, mad skill on the part of the crew, the director. The yeah, artist. for sure. It's just so insane to build a world that feels 100% believable, you know, even if the light mm-hmm. has to cut away. Although I do believe they yeah. filmed on location. I know they were on an island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they, I I don't know if they were, like, on a rock like that specifically, but they were on an island, they were outside, Mm -hmm. and then they had all the things, so it's, like, it's very interesting how, like, they, even though it's, like, um, you, you wouldn't think that that is from the 1800s or anything, you would think that it's just, like, oh, I I mean, like, modern day have lighthouses like that all the time, but at the same time, you kind of feel that, Oh, this is set in a period where we don't we don't exist, and like look, everything just changes. So it's like it it's interesting that the two characters that only sh- the two characters that showed up in the movie most prominently can like m- introduce and welcome you to that like that universe. So it's yeah. yeah, props to like Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, the two crazy heads that wanted to take on this movie. To be honest, I love movies like. Uh, the Lighthouse or Ex Machina, which is on the different mm-hmm. end of the psychological thriller uh, yeah. chain, you know, one dealing with two men stuck in a lighthouse in the 1800s when Indonesia was still Batavia, you know, like under <laughs> 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 Dutch control, like we don't even exist. That's so true. <laughs> and then, like the near future, where you know a man could fall in love with an AI because she looks just like a human being. But it's interesting because, like, by limiting the amount of characters that you see on screen, you get to know on screen. Mm-hmm. It becomes, mm-hmm. it's just insane because that's one of these like film doesn't work real life doesn't work that way you know no one is mm. anymore uh compared to yeah. Marvel, more recent offerings like the marvel cinematic universe shit man it's not even oh like, wow tons of people in the same movie you see people from other movies appearing which is cool yeah i know i know i know it's very different. <laughs> yeah 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 i think like it's it's i don't know if it's um a, like the the direction we are heading with like these modern day universe making movies yeah. i don't know how like they can change the way we understand movies even like the one the lighthouse people think that it's like the the sequel to the witcher oh. uh, to the witch yeah there, there's like theories the a lot henry cavill the witcher that's like a very different movie right there <laughs> <laughs> if that's connected i have no idea what the world is anymore but <laughs> <laughs> he just appears shirtless and then it becomes yaoi that's it <laughs> <laughs> wow i never thought of that but yeah like from an art house movie to something like that wow <laughs> well somewhere out there on the internet i'm sure it exists what's yeah i'm sure i'm pretty sure what's the theory behind the witch and the lighthouse being connected i haven't heard of that one i don't know i think most um uh, most of the theories because they are shot together and like as if they are like in the same universe like that kind of thing so it's more on the cinematography element of it that like it's specifically shot in the same way so that's why they they think that it's the same universe but I don't know. Those are like a little bit like conspiracy theories by like the internet. I didn't read too much to it because I didn't watch that that movie too. It's interesting because uh, to touch upon uh, the cinematography just for a little bit more, you know, you realize that 
people didn't look that way in the 1800s. The 1800s, people were in full color, just like now. And it sounds really stupid to say that. But the mm-hmm. thing that we just accept that as given, oh, it's an old-timey movie. Yeah. <laughs> exist when uh, Thomas and Thomas were hanging on the lighthouse, you know? So there wasn't even yeah for that. That's that's interesting how movies being so new has kind of evolved into a whole different. I don't think I don't think we even have developed like a full scientific theory as to like why we can receive movies the way we do, right? Because time doesn't even move that way in real life, you know. Yeah, yeah. certainly. I think uh, Willem Dafoe naked with glaring body, you know. (laughs) I know, I know. Mm, Like wow. That's a reality we have to live with. Yeah, yeah. And I watched it, I was like, oh my God. It's interesting because they, they did that in a very, like, I believe it almost like they did like a matte, like a matte painting style. Like, see, it wasn't like he was comped in through After Effects or something. Like, it, it looked like mm. cool, like, graphics, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, I think they wanted to very do very method acting in this one. I don't think they wanted to do any shortcuts, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think in relation to what you said about like the reality that we have, it like reminds me of like the Truman Show where basically um, the characters were like in obviously a bubble. It's like he he made a point, the whole Christ narrator, Christ character guy, he basically said something like, oh, we accept the reality that we are given. So I think in that case, it kind of like helps us as the viewer to be teleported to like the movie because obviously movies like as you said has that kind of quality that that want to mimic reality or they want to hyper make it hyper reality you know like the whole like superpower because it's like it's our escapism from Mm -hmm. the actual real life right that escapist fantasy that we always wanted and like Obviously, I would say this is kind of escapist as well, but like in the more horror side of things, the whole like the whole crazy side of things, which is which is like it is kind of hyper reality in a sense where they are amped up to 11 with the whole two characters going mad and everything because you don't see that all this time. Right. And then they killed each other at the end. So like that could reveal something about like our reality in a sense where we are like that inside but you have to dig really deep to find that kind of core so that's i think that's like i don't know what i'm rambling at this point but like i think i have a point there somewhere (laughs) no one's gonna fucking like actually devolve i mean who knows people have eaten each other Mm -hmm. people when they're stuck in the mountains during the winter right i've never been pushed yeah hopefully never (laughs) You know, but it, I think what you're saying is like the madness in which we see the two Thomases like descend into. We mm-hmm. we watch it, and even though it's framed with the trappings of interesting framing, uh, black and white, obviously they're actors. You know, like we I believe mm-hmm. at a certain point we recognize that if pushed to that far, humans could go there. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because. You know, speaking of how in the end they both deliver the final blows to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Old Thomas curses young Thomas with the idea of a Promethean fate. And that last shot mm-hmm. is when mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson's character having his guts torn out. That's a yeah, yeah. That's a one to one. That's like Prometheus. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like very and it's very close to what he said because Prometheus, as you said, um, he basically got his he was cursed to get his guts 
eaten by an eagle and then like he had to continually yeah he had to continually being like eaten every single time <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah and you know prometheus was a light bringer he brought fire into to humans because he saw that humans were cold. He was a nice dude. He was actually best friends with Zeus, I believe. This is like such a gossip mm-hmm. girl recap of Greek mythology. You know, Prometheus <laughs> is like, hey, you know, this is fucked up. I'm gonna bring flames to humans. And then humans ascended essentially close to the power of God. And that's why he got so yeah. great, you know, like yeah. for, for, for letting these, my creations achieve a new level of power and self-actualization. I'm gonna punish you for it. Knowledge mm. and, and flame to, to 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 the world, and the most interesting about Prometheus. This is kind of cycling back to the original theory. Is this a time loop with young and old Thomas? You know, Prometheus is a cycle. Every every mm. God, every every day, his liver grows back, but then he is forced to have his liver torn out again and again and again. You know, yeah, I think that's yeah. really interesting. How you know, speaking of human condition, uh, the lighthouse. I believe harkens back to one of the oldest pieces about human condition, which is Greek mythology, and then incorporate mm. in, in into this this film. I'm not the type of person mm. who's like, oh wow, they pulled from Greek mythology. That means it's so cool. <laughs> but it's like they just they did so effortlessly, you know. If you're Western educated, so these are these are these myths are part and parcel of your of your literary canon, of your cultural canon. Even us in Asia, mm. fuck like, you know, I, like Greek mythology was a big part of of my upbringing at least well, what about yours um like for in terms of like how it played a part in my life i would say like i didn't realize but it's a, like it surrounds me in a way like from the films i watch like just like um even characters of like even the whole zeus characters like poseidon and all those things I think people just reference them in and of itself and I'm already acquainted with those things. Right. And then, then you get into the loop of like, oh, you understand Greek mythology a little bit more and more. You try learning a little bit about it. Because I think the way stories are written, it's obviously based on inspiration from the past and things like that. <laughs> so I would say like a big part of film and a lot of things that happen is based on a lot of mythology that we are acquainted with Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's what the eggers were thinking when they made the film but at the same time um he like robert eggers do do a lot of research for a lot of his movies and i know that's at least like for sailors i don't know about lighthouse keepers per se but like for sailors they do like to be very poetic in a sense where they do believe in like a lot of like the greek mythology Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, the mermaid references that were picked up a lot of time. Yeah, it's, like, the sirens and all those things. So it's quite, like, a normal thing for me when it was referenced a lot. And then when he finally delivered that final blow, it felt like this is something that he wanted to go back with, at least, the director. Going back to the whole mythology, going back to the whole, like, curse and everything. Because, like... It's it's so bizarre that it couldn't be from his home. I don't know. But like the curse the curse that you're trying to say of it being looped, I don't know if it's like possible, but it it felt like out of this world because the lighthouse is deemed like this fire or this kind of like deity and god of its own because it's so like eternalized. Yeah. Like it's like 
so rare and powerful. And then he basically, we see that the young Thomas basically like, I don't know what he felt. I don't know if it's a sense of pleasure or a sense of pain. I don't know, oh, but like he got <laughs> finger to old Thomas. Like, haha, fuck you. I can see the lighthouse too now. <laughs> and that, I mean, he fell on like what hundred fucking flights of stairs or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then he just keeps on going with it. You know, it's like, oh my god, I don't know. Because and we see that visceral scene of like him just like screaming to the void or something, yeah. as if he's like seen God himself or something like that, which is like quite crazy. Yeah, like I like I like the whole sound design that they play into it too. It was like very crazy very euphoric in a way Mm -hmm. but at the same time like you get that mystery of like what is it is like to us it's just a lighthouse but what is that to him you know it's kind of like the suitcase in pulp fiction you just open it it's (laughs) people just stuck light bulbs in there you know it's nothing i know i know right it's nothing you know but the fact that an inanimate object can attain such properties of mystery is, is really interesting. And, you know, coming back to like, for example, you know, Thomas in the end, he, he was felt by his own need for knowledge, right? That also fits yeah. the whole idea of Pandora's box. Again, calling back to the box. But what's also mm-hmm. interesting is that the movie, uh, as I've said before, pulls from a hodgepodge of um, references in the sense that like Lovecraft also, I feel like plays a big role in, in, um, has a shadow in this movie. You know, at one point, I believe mm-hmm. Thomas was uh, looking at old Thomas and sees a tentacle pass by. And then yeah, yeah, what seems yeah. to be old Thomas jerking off to tentacle porn. I don't know. Maybe he has, he's a hentai Japanese fetish. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, like, let's put a hentai Japanese yeah. reference right here. <laughs> there, dude. It's way written right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting because, like, that also comes into play, too. Like, the whole idea of of some things being unknowable and beyond our comprehension, some things from another dimension being just simply things that you can't ask questions about. Like when you talk about Cthulhu, mm-hmm. where did Cthulhu come from? Oh, you know, he's an ancient one. Or like the Eldritch, like when you read a lot of um, Lovecraft or Stephen King, The Mist, for example, which also involves mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. images, we don't know where these, mm-hmm. these things came from. They're just beyond our knowledge. Sometimes, um, I know we're jumping across a lot of movies right now, but like in Bird Box, yeah, yeah. you see it, you might not even be able to comprehend it such that it be- get, drives you to insanity. You know, that, that mm-hmm. recurring theme of humans being cursed with the need to know, you know, back to the very simple adage of curiosity killed the cat. Like, I feel like that, that, that manifests itself in a lot of movies and a lot of mythology through the ages. And I feel like it's also really yeah. strong, in, you know, in, in canon with obsession, like, you, you know it's unhealthy for you. There's probably nothing at the end there for you, but you just need to know, right? That kind of manifests mm. very strongly in this movie. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like to know, like, even though this movie is set in the 1800s or in some unknown time, it's interesting because what young Thomas brings to the table are quite recognizable, I feel like, American themes of wanting to start a new life, wanting to run away from the past, as we see later in the mm-hmm. movie. Those are still also very modern. I mean, those still live with us now, right? But did you feel like yeah, yeah, describing yeah. this whole other world of freaking uh, team, uh, logging, you know? That's yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. landscape that we never see, except for the flashbacks to when we find out that he's killed. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's really yeah. interesting because we are aware that there is another world out there where people behave normally, 
it just <laughs> happens to be stuck in this island of hell, you know, purgatory. Yeah, yeah. Where rules just don't apply and people lose their sanity. That's 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 really interesting. Yeah, that that that's a interesting take that you said that like, oh, that as if the rules applied in this island. Like, you know, because it's like, they're an island of two. Like, it doesn't really matter what kind of rules that they're supposed to abide by, which at the beginning, it felt like they had to abide by because young Thomas kept doing whatever old Thomas yeah. is saying. Yeah. And like, they, and he questioned it. Obviously, he had his like little spurs and all, but like, he didn't really like, he didn't really aggressively rebel until the very end of the movie. But, like, there is this kind of framework that he's like, okay, I have to listen to him in the beginning. Yeah. And then, like, and then he writes in that book and that log book that he's very curious about. And, like, it's as if that there is that kind of control dynamic yeah. between old Thomas and young Thomas. Like, that like and old thomas seems to know that like he's a very he he's very aware that like he has that kind of sense of control over the young one so like and as you can see even like the whole back and forth like characteristic that old thomas has Mm -hmm. he doesn't make it easy you know he's a he's a jerk he's an asshole (laughs) like throughout the throughout the movie (laughs) Yeah, it's, he's like he tells him to do everything from like like washing all the freaking gunk off the floor to like having to scale up the wall and yeah. paint it and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, like the whole dynamic of it. It it was very interesting that like there is a sense of like control that they wanted to have even though they're just two people on island. Yeah. They have to have that sense of control. House, dude, like Come on. Yeah. Like you're in possession of Bill Gates' wealth suddenly, you know, you don't have the codes <laughs> to start the, you know, nuclear war. It's just like how in this universe of theirs, you know, and they've completely become separate from the rest of humanity. This one thing, the logbook, for example, becomes a matter of importance. You know, if mm-hmm. you look at yeah. movies that deal with obsession, such as, um, let's say, Whiplash or Black Swan, you know, yeah, I only yeah. reference these two in tandem because lessons from the screenplay did a really interesting comparison. Yeah, yeah, they they're really yeah. they're really good at that. You know, like what Miles is after and what the ballerina from the Black Swan is after. Like these are things that we can relate with on the surface. Miles wants to pursue greatness at all costs, and so does the ballerina. Mm-hmm. But here's like these mm-hmm. were just like young Thomas. Honestly, just wants to get paid, dude. You know, one he wants to yeah, get paid. and and then and then he becomes further removed from these common pursuits to possession of something that is uh, to an obsession over something that is honestly absurd to any normal person yeah who is not yeah. um indoctrinated or rather uh invested in this in this twisted new world of the lighthouse yeah and and it wasn't hard for young Thomas to actually get intrigued by the light, you know? Like, you can see in the first arc, even, like, a first couple of scenes mm-hmm. when he was, like, fixing up something. He immediately got transfixed by the light from the lighthouse, and he wanted to go up there. And then equally, maniacally, like, old Thomas creates this kind of illusion as well, as if, like, it is something to be held by because he kept saying like, oh, no one can touch the light but me, you know, like you can't enter it. Mm -hmm. And then something about like the manual stated that he can actually go up there himself, but he did like the old Thomas didn't really 
care for the manual or things like that. So, like, yeah, I think the strive for ambition, for control, like what you said in, like, Whiplash and in Black Swan is... I think it's prevalent in a lot of the people that we know now. Like, we always want, like, a sense of control over the things that we don't know even, you know? Like, we always wanted a sense of control over this COVID situation, for example. Like, as if we can, like, clearly take it on when we don't, you know? And then when Mm -hmm. we don't know what it is, you end up, like, thinking that it's some absurd thing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's... Again, your Lovecraftian theory, everything that would come into play to that suddenly picks it up again. So, yeah, like, I think there is such a weird take for humans to be obsessed with things mm-hmm. like control and even some things that you just don't know. You can't just let it be. You have to, like, yeah. take something <laughs> of it, which is, like, yeah. It's, it's it's very weird because like old thomas when you look at him objectively right he's just an old lonely dude you know like yeah. his whole life is his lighthouse is actually you know i love old people you know and so when i saw <laughs> young thomas kind of freaking like beating up old thomas like that hurt me dude you know this is just old, yeah crazy just leave him in his freaking lighthouse there's no value to it you know mm. but, but obviously in the film that it hits there is some sort of like magical power but i i personally believe that there's there is no sort of magic to the lighthouse you know itself Mm. on my film theory here i i don't think it's like a portal to god Mm. or like another dimension i just think it's just two people who are who have gone insane from from not necessarily even insane but you know just driven to such great lengths because of the isolation that they experience with each other you know yeah yeah what in your do you, opinion like do you think the lighthouse itself had any value or is the value like or was it just um a red herring of sorts mm, i think like i would go into the answer that it doesn't have any value like i think the, the thing is is like i always had this question when i was watching it as well is like is any of these things that are happening real yeah because we saw that a lot of like things happening to young Thomas, mm-hmm. where it's like he saw the mermaid, he saw the the kraken, the octopus, and everything, and then he he was having so many like illusions or delusions, and you can't kind of frame whether or not that's real or not. And then I I always because like I didn't know what this film was trying to say. You know, so it's like, I don't know if this is like they are trying to set up this like fantasy world of some sort or they are actually just like, oh, this is crazy. But I think from my own perspective and like film theory perspective, I think they're like there is this kind of madness that they played into and that they just submit themselves to. And like they I feel like they gave themselves to the madness, you know, in a sense like they it's not like. Of course, there's a bit of that um, isolation that takes part in their psychology. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a, another part of it is that they wanted this kind of insanity to become theirs, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they wanted... Because, like, you can see freaking young Thomas jerking, jerking off to the freaking mermaid statue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's general, dude. <laughs> Yeah, super ghetto, like, dude. And then we saw, like, so many things. Like, we saw that the head, the head from, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So we never got, like, super clear answers from that. But you, and he didn't, 
like he didn't like dive into it pretty late either it was in the beginning of the film like he had these kind of like like feelings in their head like the whole octopus tentacle just swerving by old thomas like there is already signs even in the beginning yeah, yeah. so i feel like they have already accepted that this is madness that they wanted mm-hmm. and like and that they wanted something to be more than just a lighthouse i would say you know they wanted something more than just like oh this is a petty job that i'm doing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that even though that he young thomas is running away from something and obviously old thomas doesn't have anything else to live for so like thomas you know i believe it's that he doesn't really even like go sailing you know like he's not as great yeah yeah you know he just kind of ran away. Yeah. Again, I think ran away from a mundane life, probably ran away from a family. I think that was referenced, but I don't remember. To kind of just build mm. this mystified persona of him, the servant of Poseidon or the lighthouse. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like, here in my kingdom, I'm great. But honestly, if we were to exactly. go into God mode, if we, go, if we were to go into God mode and like just see these two Thomases bickering over a lighthouse, you know, let's say you're a ship like, like a kilometer away. You're like, what the fuck? Like, this isn't important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Important. Like steam power is being invented soon, dudes. Like, come on. It, <laughs> we don't even need you guys anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane to think. Like, if you were to take, like, I would say the more boring but probably reasonable approach to the film, like, yeah, like, these are just two people who, like, outside of the island, their kerfuffles are just a product of their own psych- psych- um, pathology or like, psychology, rather. If we were to go into mm-hmm. the more interesting, you know, uh, interesting but not necessarily like correct theor- theorizing in the sense of like, oh yes, the love, uh, the the lighthouse is a source of eldritch beings, you know, like <laughs> that definitely is more interesting. But I'm less inclined to believe that as a canon, you know. I mean, obviously, like yeah, uh, sure. as a writer and as a, as as a filmmaker, um, sometimes one wonders that oh am I being too heavy handed handed with my references am I being too heavy handed with trying to explore this concept of madness you know but I think what the lighthouse does so well it just it's not necessarily about the film isn't about exploring an idea which is why I feel like some art house films become quite Mm -hmm. um, alienating because they're very intellectually possessed with like exploring these themes but the lighthouse like generally sets up foundation the character that allow you to enjoy the film, whether or not you could give two shits about the theme of insanity or obsession. You know, you just want to see, in essence, these two humans and how they will interact with each other when given this absurd set of circumstances. I feel like that's, that's mm. you know, um, what good filmmaking is in the end. Yeah, you could set out and explore a theme, but in the end, what drives it is is the humanity of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, in the, he made it a point, too, that there is no, like, conclusion at the end. You know, there's nothing to learn from per se you know like this is just mad people being mad and i think like that's also pretty unique take in film nowadays Mm -hmm. because we all we always want like a nice pretty wrapped up present at the end of every film you know you wanted some kind of closure and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but at the end like they both died they never got to get a ship like uh take them away we didn't get to like see what young Thomas felt at that lighthouse. We never get to see the whatever that is in the lighthouse either. So, yeah, there's so many open-ended questions that I think it 
it's like yeah you can explore them a little bit deeper like we are doing right now or you can just like clearly like enjoy or i don't know can you enjoy it but like yeah you can enjoy like crazy people being crazy because i think that is something very human and like it's weird but like those are the things that makes us very human you know and i don't know if a lot of like films explore that you know they always want to have like settle on like a single idea or like a single approach and then they want to drive that home hard but at the same time like if you have something like this vague it it gives a sense that like yeah we don't know who we are you know as human beings we are like very unexplored territories and that itself is a horror that we all want so it's like (laughs) those are the kind of things that i think really drives it home yeah yeah so it's like um yeah because like even in the aspects of like it being like mythological and like it being so in a period piece nonetheless like it it's so weird how we feel very relatable in a sense to it you know like not in a sense of its madness but it's in a sense that like people are crazy and we can easily be as crazy if we wanted to and like it's not far from what we can actually become if we wanted to or if we choose to because society is like we constructed ourselves to be normal as if this is what it should be but at the end of the day who gets to decide what's normal if like these two people are the norm you know if if that makes sense we're running around like old thomas and young thomas my god i don't think we would have gone past inventing the wheel honestly like if we (laughs) if all of humanity you know were pushed i mean that's the point of normalcy, right? Like you mm. root out deviance just for the sake of having functioning society, you know? Yeah. You have these two folks. I mean, it's interesting because young Thomas has actually committed a crime that most of us will not have committed, right? He's murdered somebody mm. prior to coming mm-hmm. to the lighthouse. And yet he mm-hmm. tries to project a veneer of normalcy. And maybe you can remind me, I- I'm not sure if we've ever if we ever even got a motive as to why he wanted to kill yeah people. yeah yeah he's not a man so. and he he just realized i could kill this man if i wanted to you know i think yeah the impression, impression that that was given um and then he assumed his identity and mm. that in itself is clearly out of the norm of most people i would hope like if you're in a forest with somebody i really hope the first thought that doesn't come that comes to your head is not like i could kill this man and take his identity like because <laughs> he did say like he wanted like he saw the man dead and then he just said like oh i can go for a smoke right now and that, i think that's that's all he felt yeah in that end of it it's so interesting because like uh Th- young thomas ephraim slash winslow like he Mm-hmm. We first get introduced to him with the not with the understanding that he's just out there to have a better life for himself, to earn money, and then just you know like mm-hmm. most of us like we go to work. Why not? Because like necessarily. Well, I mean, I'm very fortunate to do what I love, but there's some mm-hmm. projects where I'm like, why am I doing this? this? Is not in my game plan, but it, you know, it, it pays the bills, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think within him is this greater thirst for self actualization or self realization mm. or just becoming beyond what he really is you know who is just yeah. probably nobody 
right? And in the grand yeah. scheme of things, at the end of this movie, he's still a nobody. It's not like he became president and then died, you know? Like, he just died mm-hmm. on a remote mm-hmm. island after fighting with an old man over a lighthouse. When you think about it that way, it's crazy, you know? Then, then it also reflects kind of, in a way, like the futility at which most of us grasp at the straws of, like, of greatness. Sorry to be so depressing. It's something that... Yeah, suddenly would... we're like very nihilist here. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think like sometimes the most rational thing about life is like nihilist, like a nihilist approach. Yeah, I mean, futile gitu ya. Maksudnya kayak kalau kita talk about Lovecraft, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, sure, we could go to the moon, but we're not anywhere near close to understanding the greatness of the universe. That's a more positive way to see it. Right, <laughs> your positive, oh. the positive nihilism. Yeah, nihilism. Yeah, they're gonna be like we're just insects, you know, like we don't even know anything, and we're just we just gain sentience somehow, and we're here living our life trying to ignore death. Like <laughs> that's a real talk version of nihilism. I feel like yeah, for sure, and like. I don't know. Maybe he's. I think he also possesses some sort of like. At the end of the day, if we don't have a control of everything, and this is who we are, I think that's what Young Tom has concluded. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like if this is, if everything means nothing, then I can just, you know, finish off with the smoke. You know, it's like that kind of kind of mentality that he ended up going for, and I'm not sure how we can deal with that as people. Mm-hmm. Like how we can approach it. I mean, like Thomas approached it. I mean, young Thomas approached it in a whole different way than we all did. And hopefully we don't go into that path of craziness. But there is some kind of like method to the madness in a way that we're like, if we can come to terms with the inevitability of nothingness, then I think maybe there's some comfort in that too, you know. Wow, suddenly very philosophical in this podcast. (laughs) It's quite interesting because that's what films are good films can do is like push you to think about how this applies to your life in general it's interesting because like if we talk about crazy right even though young thomas acted in ways that most of us would not have acted i would argue that he's a sane human being you know he couldn't go to court and claim insanity i think what he did honestly like you know like when you have, have you ever driven on a road and uh, i could just swerve and go to the other lane or like stand yeah stairs i could just jump which is called the call yeah. of the void. Um, there's a French term for it, but I'm not sure if I know how to pronounce it. But it's called the call of the void, right? I think Young Thomas just heated that. You know, when we, when we talk about void, obviously that term comes back a lot in Lovecraftian literature, like the, the eldritch creatures of the void, beyond our understanding. <laughs> it's just interesting. This movie, how did you feel after watching this movie in terms of your life or mm. whatever were your immediate... Mm. I feel like... I feel in a way that like I there is for like f- to make it a little bit more positive. I think there's a like a lot to explore that I don't know that there is a lot of unknown that I'm like presented with, which is kind of horrifying in a sense because, you know, there's a lot of unknown that I'm, I, we're, we don't know, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like there is that kind of there is that kind of like horror to it and that that confused me for a while but i think at the end of it i was like kind of comforted with the fact like oh if i don't know anything then i'm not i'm not like i have control over some things which is myself you know like i can still do a lot of the things that i wish to do like Again, back to the whole idea of what they these two characters did. They both decided 
these things as well. You know, it's both the choice that they have come to terms with. Mm. And I think we are all presented with those choices. And I think there's those kind of things that give me a sense of hope a bit. But of course, like, I mean, like, I think seeing the country and the state that we are in, I I don't know how how that kind of positivity can go along, you know? What do you think about it? I definitely think, like, I'm a positive person. I would like to... (laughs) I was a positive person. (laughs) I believe, or at least I try to... One could even argue I am in a state of self-denial in the sense that I do believe that my life has meaning, you know? But Mm. I feel like taking to the far extreme of, like, everything has meaning and significance, then you get the lighthouse, you know? Like, lighthouse is significant, so I will kill my boss. To, to, see, to see what's inside the lighthouse. Yeah. You know, that must be in our minds because there has to be why he's, he's keeping it a secret. There has to be. It can't just be a prank, for example. You know, I mean, obviously, like old yeah. Thomas, I feel like his, on his side, I feel like his identity, he has deluded himself into believing that his identity is as a servant of this lighthouse. And this lighthouse can give him power question mark knowledge yeah any of those things but or at least a feeling of dominion or control yeah Yeah. because outside of the lighthouse he's nobody he's just an old almost senile man like he has no value to society anymore sorry not saying that (laughs) people have no value to society what i'm saying is that that's probably how the most of them will be perceived especially during that time you know yeah for sure for sure when he sees a younger version of himself in air quotes you know, like obviously, he's yeah, yeah, this man's more able-bodied mm. than he is. He can climb the lighthouse, and 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 it's just interesting to see like the one of the many dualities in the movie being the jealous, right? But we don't necessarily mm. get into old Thomas's headspace as much to see like yeah. um, like I feel like a movie that plays really well with jealousy is the favorite. For example, you know, we can see how. Mm. Um, Emma Stone's character and I can't remember the other girls, the other lady's name, how the two women in the service of Queen Anne uh, mm. vie for their position in the court. You know, the security. Yeah, even though they're both, yeah, even though they're both servants of the court. Yeah, of the, queen. Of the court. One, one, yeah, one, one's a little bit higher of higher birth. The other one says she was of high birth and then was sold into servanthood or something like that. Uh, yeah. That movie deals very well with exposing how jealousy and possession gets the best of all of us. But in the lighthouse, yeah. we're limited to very much so like the headspace of young Thomas. Even though the movie, you know, features only two characters, you only have access to one, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a very interesting take because, like, I think there is a lot. I don't know if we, because at the same time we can see that old Thomas has really derailed from outside our understanding. <laughs> so it's like, it's, I don't know if this is a choice, but I, I think like we were at the headspace of the young Thomas. We were exploring it just similarly as young Thomas did. And then we figured out that we are the criminal all along, you know, those kind of realizations. And I think that kind of also gives another interesting perspective to the movie that, it could be any one of us, you know? Mm. We could have, like, any one of us could be the killer, you know? Mm. Like, we are the Among Us kind of the Among like, us. feature. 
we found out that Winslow was not who he was, you know, even though we were very close yeah. to, this, to this character, we find out that there's information withheld from us. I think that's such great writing, you know, in the sense that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in that movie, we were closest to young Thomas. We found out that's not even his, I mean, we're closest to yeah. you know, Ephraim, but we found out that's not even his name, dude. We found out that he killed somebody, like, and then at that point, yeah. we're off, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think we're done. I think we're like, oh my god, this is like everything the movie has to offer is already offered, you know? Like everything from like red herrings to like mythical lighthouses to everything. Like, yeah, I think we're all set in this movie. Yeah, and then the whole, I think what's so interesting is the use of editing the the, the passage of time. You know, mm. from a technical perspective, it's quite difficult to produce a movie like that that still makes sense. Even though to the characters, the world doesn't make sense. And to us, the logic of the, the logic of the world doesn't make sense, but the logic of the story must be that, you know, obviously that yeah, yeah. time gets fucked up in that movie, right? But we still understand that it's getting fucked up. We're not confused, like, hold on, like, why is this happening now? Which is a sign of yeah, yeah. Kind of bad storytelling, which I think The Lighthouse does very well because uh, we are able to, um become immersed in the insanity and the slow unraveling of of the logic of young thomas's world but at the same time we as audiences consuming the film aren't completely thrown off the rails for example like an interesting movie to compare this to surprisingly is the room by tommy wiseau mm. something as simple <laughs> as like oh hi mark he like opens the you're like what the okay it's so jarring, you know, I don't understand yeah. why there's so many spoons on the wall. Like, but that's <laughs> like, I don't even know what the fuck the story's about. Just a story about a dude and Lisa and his friends, Mark, something very simple, but the movie doesn't make sense mm-hmm. from a structural perspective, but the lighthouse, sorry about two old, the two men in a lighthouse and they de- delve into insanity and time gets warped, but the movie feels natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it's like, it's again back to uh, back to the reality of it. It's the reality that we all accepted, yeah, yeah. and and I think true filmmaking allows us to make it more chewable to swallow. Because mm-hmm. like going to the whole like big franchise films of like Avengers and things like that, you can clearly see like oh it's it's not something to swallow. It's more like something to like view that and to like take pictures of or like, or just memorize or something. It's something like to admire from at a distance or something like, Oh, this is like heroic and like super powerful and things like that. But when you think about the lighthouse and a lot of what these kind of movies portray, Mm -hmm. it's more like, Oh, this is the reality. And we kind of accepted that it is part of our own and that we can like, gravitate to it because you don't we don't know how long we've spent there but it felt like we have already understood the characters mm-hmm. as if for a lifetime yeah, yeah we we once we know the backstory of like young thomas is as if like oh that's it like i feel like i know this guy he's that guy who just like felt like he wanted a new start or he's running away from his past like we all have past yeah, that we want to run away from like a, and you're like oh i did not know young thomas at all i feel like that's at least for me, it was a big shock, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we thought we thought we knew him, but we didn't. We didn't. It's just life. Yeah, event. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. Like the technical achievement of the filmmakers on the Avengers and Star Wars and all these big blockbuster movies cannot be discounted. You know, it's just insane yeah, for sure. how like sure. 
technology, filmmaking technology advanced to, for example, the Mandalorian having sets generated in Unity, for example, like like 3D generated. That's insane. But The Lighthouse, mm-hmm. I think the reason why a lot of cinephiles will gravitate toward this movie is because it really embodies the more traditional aspects of filmmaking. I mean, there's CGI when we see Willem Dafoe become a god and re- become the lighthouse, you know. That be even that kind of itu masih pakai teknik yang very old dari zaman dulu memang udah available to us. And at zaman dulu, I mean, like what, like just slightly over a hundred years ago, filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not like we're looking at paintings, you know, and talking about paintings, uh, which have been yeah. around since caveman times. You know, it's just it's just interesting. Okay, okay. I love that we're living at the time that we are in, even though we're in the pandemic. We get to watch movies. On one hand, I could like, if I wanted to, I could watch, you know, uh, Black Panther, and then turn around and watch The Lighthouse. And these are all all offerings of art for us, made by yeah. people who felt like this was their vision that they needed to communicate to the greater audience. So I'm very grateful yeah. for that. You know. Yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm very grateful that we have filmmakers that still appreciate like what the traditional filmmaking sense of it is because. You get distracted by like the glitz and glamour. You get distracted by like very nice CGI and like really crisp HD quality and things like that. You kind of get lost in like the the all the glitters and things like that. To like go back to like traditional filmmaking, to go back to the essential tools that we were presented with. I think it it does give like more human element to it like it felt more like oh like any anything can like work in the sense you know expression is again back as an expression you know art becomes something that is favorable to everyone not just people who have all the glitz and glamour but people who actually do have stories to tell mm-hmm. you know and i think that's like an, an interesting fact that we can all ponder upon during this pandemic season. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with OCT now, like honestly, you could do most things that would not have been wild at the box office just even two decades ago when we were born. Like, Jesus, like you have to either be Disney, Fox, Universal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Like, again, we're also noted we're Indonesian, right? So things that weren't blockbusters probably didn't make their way to us. But now with the advent of the internet, like hell, I could stream. I just recently streamed The Big Lebowski, and I don't think that got a theatrical release in Indonesia. I don't know, but that was available mm-hmm. to us. Like these, yeah. Things. I don't know if The Lighthouse got a theatrical screening in Indonesia, did it? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think The Lighthouse did, to be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of like art house films don't get like screenings in Indonesia. Yeah, sadly, expensive to. I mean, like first of all, distributors have to take a big gamble to think whether or not the film could mm. in Indonesia. Then they have to open. They have to distribute to theaters, and then theaters. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Distributors being mean in theaters have to take a big gamble. Like, if I'm going to take uh, one or two or three screens to screen, let's say the lighthouse, how many people will fill fill those those screens versus if I had filled that screen with, let's say, Black Panther or a contemporaneous movie, yeah. House. Uh, which yeah. by I feel like with OTT now that kind of business calculus is changing, which is very exciting as a creator as, and as a film lover. Uh, so I only hope that things, especially after the pandemic, I only hope that it opens the gates, not just for international films, but for local films to explore. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, artsy yeah. concepts, artsy, quote unquote. I don't like that term. 
what is even artsy or artistic (laughs) just be creative man i think you know sometimes i will say a lot of art house films do get hooked on that notion of like being art house just follow the characters i feel like is key which is what the lighthouse does yeah Mm -hmm. i think on that note do you have any other um something that you like from the film that we didn't discuss or something you want to bring out to the table here I'd before we kind of end things. Series on is young Thomas and old Thomas are they the same person? I just <laughs> you know, I mean, we heard my take on it. I think there's it's just too little being crazy, but you know, in the logic of the film, I read a film theory that you know, the lighthouse is purgatory and they're stuck yeah. in this this is the eternal jam they I would like to know if anybody actually thinks that and what reasonings they have. It's very interesting. I say that a lot, but that actually... Oh. <laughs> I would I would like to know if this all happened, to be honest. Like, I want... Because... Oh, yeah. Um, before I kind of... I just re- re- remember, because this was loosely adapted from something that actually happened to one of the sailors, I think. So, like, basically, there's also a lightkeeper that mm-hmm. killed another lightkeeper. What? And yeah, so like, and I don't know, um, I don't know how the story is not like to toe to toe, but that happened, and that that one lightkeeper managed to escape, wow. but he was like very deranged, and people think he's mad, and the, that's the reputation of this lightkeeper. So I think that was like the inspiration to the story as well, other than the, all the flor- folklore and all the like mythological references and things like that. But yeah, Eggers actually took inspiration from like a story of an actual lighthouse keeper that killed another. Yeah. So I know he also derived it from Edgar Allan Poe's unfinished work. I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. On Wikipedia five minutes before coming onto the podcast. Originally <laughs> <laughs> it was the brothers project, yeah. And then Big Bro was like, hey man, let me help you out. And then in the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, let's make things more depressing by adding an Edgar Allan Poe to to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ed, Ed, uh, so the the younger brother uh Robert? Max Eggers. Max? Max Eggers? Yeah. Brother Egger or Brother Egger. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Eggers uh, was doing an adaptation originally of Poe. And then and then um, his other brother. Names escaped me. The director. Wait, remind me. Remind me. Robert? Uh, uh, Robert, Robert. Oh my gosh. Okay, so Brother Eggers was going to do an adaptation <laughs> of the movie. Uh, uh, adapting we off of Edgar Allan Poe's unfinished literary work literary work called The Lighthouse and then Robert Eggers came mm-hmm. on board because the project stalled. And it's just interesting, you know, we haven't talked about this actually, but the fact that it had roots in Poe, who is like, I don't know, the who's who's of horror writers. Ooh. Yeah. Little hard. Well, where is it? Oh, it's in the walls. <laughs> <laughs> It's because the man, Ooh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, wherever you go, like this man who, who like died long before we came around, he still has his roots, like his his claws in the kind of content we consume now. I mean, fuck it, Greek mythology before Jesus was born. Yeah, I know, right? That's like it, before before Christ, I should say, like that that still has its effect on the kind of stories that we consume now. Yeah, and like I think there's still more to come from those stories that we inhabit. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking of stories, do you have? I'm I'm sure we referenced a lot of tons of movies in this <laughs> film, but what do you do? You like to recommend our fellow audience if you to watch? The Lighthouse. After? 
Uh, I would definitely recommend Phantom Thread. It's a totally different genre, but I think it's a very interesting take on a period movie. It's Daniel Day-Lewis's last movie uh, before retirement. Done very well. Also, surprise, psychological thriller, one could argue, but moving at a slower pace. Uh, Very nice movie. Very good movie. Um, About Mm. dressmaking. So on the surface, very different. Have you watched it? No, I don't think I've watched Netflix. it. On Netflix, you should watch it. Ooh, okay. Oh, Speaking of Netflix, yeah, like I have another recommendation, but this is a little bit newer on Netflix as well. Is Devil All the Time? Ooh. I don't know if you watch that, but yeah, like it it goes to a little bit of the psychological like craziness that we are all in, and like the path of like s- loops. And cycles that we all traverse by because they all kind of i don't know you should watch it for yourself but it's something that kind of has the same kind of feelings same kind of like horror elements into it so yeah you can check those out so i think that is all do you have anything else to add before yes. we close yes you can watch the industry at the cinema heads youtube channel we talk with Arifin talks with the movers and shakers of the Indonesian entertainment industry. We recently interviewed Rio Dewanto and Yayan Rohian, who you may know as Mad Dog from The Raid. And speaking of which, we had the director of The Raid, Gareth Evans, also on the show. Um, if you want to reach me, you can find me at drea.irl on Instagram. And if you want to reach my agency, you can find us at otherlands underscore on Instagram. So that's all the plug plugs for me. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrea, for finally coming on yes. after a lot of the different schedules from my part and yours. But yes, it was an awesome conversation. Thank you for coming on. And if you guys want to follow this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at WatchMorePod. And we also have a Discord for all you fellow younglings who like to talk about film. But yeah, that's all from me. I'm Veronica, and thank you for watching. And watch more movies. See you guys. Bye.